Welcome to Hot Copy Radio Theater. You are about to hear a cast of very talented voice performers recreate a long-lost episode of Hot Copy, an exciting audio drama about the wild adventures of a young woman newspaper reporter, which was broadcast on the NBC radio network between 1941 and 1944. This recreation is adapted from the original script. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. It's time for Hot Copy, the vivid drama behind the paragraphs of a daily newspaper column. Hot Copy is the absorbing story of a young newspaper woman, Ann Rogers, a clever, attractive girl with a nationally syndicated column, Second Glance, in which she uncovers many events which other, less courageous reporters would be afraid to touch. Her stories, in the words of her adventurous profession, are always Hot Copy. Now, listen to today's new and exciting episode, Appointment with Death, adapted from the original script as broadcast on radio on Sunday, July 30th, 1944. Oh no! What? What was that? Oh, just a clock. Of course. I must be getting nervous. Jumpy! But who wouldn't be frightened? Ten o'clock, and that... that woman! That Ann Rogers. She must know something. She must know what she's talking about. Or she wouldn't have dared to put it in her column. I'm going to be killed, she said. Killed if I attended the session today. But I didn't. I didn't. I fooled them. It's so, so deathly quiet in here. Where is everyone? Henry! Winslow! Swenson! Where are you? Come to my room. Come here! Alone. Deserted. Trapped like a caged rat. Gotta get out of here. I can't. Swinson! Henry! Wins! <sighs> oh, you. Thank heavens. Wh where have you been? Don't you know I'm in danger? I've been nearly frantic. Someone wants to murder me. Someone... <coughs> you! No. No. Can't. Uh... 
Gosh, Annie, look at the clock. Half past ten. We're late again. Oh, so I see, Sprightly. Well, you know what I always say. Better late than never. Yeah, I know what you always say, but what does the boss always say? That's what... Hi there, horoscope Hannah. Hello, Johnny. Were you talking to me? As if you didn't know, mind reader. Hey, Annie, how's the crystal ball business? Got a hot tip on the fifth race of the track? And I gotta know, is Roosevelt going to be re-elected? Boys, I don't get it. What's the gag? Anne, call Gilmore. He's been trying to reach you all morning. Gilmore? I don't know anyone named... Oh, no. Not much you don't. That's not what it says in your column. Sprightly, what's this all about? Search me. Somebody's idea of a joke, I guess. Well, it's a strange sort of joke, if you ask me. Gilmore? My column? I don't... I'll get it. Hello? Ann Rogers? Ann, this is Graham. Uh-oh. Good morning, Chief. If you can spare the time, would you step into my office for a few minutes? Why, of course, Mr. Graham. But what? Thank you so much. Will you step into my office? Said the spider to the fly. He sounded ominous. Come on, Sprightly. You'll have to defend me. Here comes the prophet again, everyone. Hey, Crystal Gazer, who's going to win the ball game today? Annie, would you read my tea leaves? Want to study my palm, Annie? Tell me, Anne, is my boyfriend ever going to ask me to marry him? Sprightly, what is all this? Sounds like open season on columnists. Come in, come in. You wanted to see us, Chief? Uh, yeah. You wanted to see her, Chief? Hello. Good morning, Anne Sprightly. It's so nice to see you. Well, Anne, I've just finished reading your column. It's good. Oh, really? Thanks, Chief. Yes, very, very good. Very nicely written, Anne. If you were writing for an astrology magazine. Wh what Astrology? What are you trying to do? Make us the laughing stock of the newspaper business? Miss Rogers, you are supposed to interpret news. We already have someone who writes a daily horoscope. We do not need Another one. Horoscope? Mr. Graham, I don't understand. Oh, no? Then listen. A special investigation of mob-controlled gambling in this city is scheduled to begin today with attorney Charles H. Gilmore presiding. Why, yes, that's true. But surely you wanted me to comment on the... On the investigation, yes. But... What's the idea of writing, I prophesy, however, 
that if Mr. Gilmore attends the session, he will be dead by ten o'clock this morning. Wait, what? Dead? Let me see that. Dead. By ten o'clock. Listen, Chief, I didn't write that. Anne, you can't weasel this. I can forgive a person for making a boner, but I hate alibis. This is no alibi. It's the truth. This is my column, yes, but that last sentence is not mine. Anne, uh, I'm disappointed in you. Ask Sprightly. She typed the column. That's right, boss. Annie didn't write that last sentence, I swear. But confound it, if she didn't, then who? Excuse me. Hello. Graham speaking. Who? Miss, Miss Rogers. Yeah, she's here. One moment. It's for you, Anne. Me? Who's calling? Sounds like your Irish friend. That cop. Hello? Anne Rogers. Hello, Anne. It's Flanagan. See, about that there column of yours in today's newspaper. Mike, we were just talking about it. Don't pay any attention. It was just a terrible mistake. Someone trying to be funny. It was a terrible mistake, sure enough. It wasn't funny, though. At least, not to Mr. Gilmore. Please, Mike. I'm sorry if I caused him any alarm. Tell him. Suppose you truck over here and tell me all you know about it. And right away. Why, of course, Mike. Where are you? At Gilmore's house. And... Is Gilmore there? Oh, he's here, all right. Laying at my feet. Laying at your... Yeah, dead. He was shot and killed at ten o'clock this morning. But I tell you, Lieutenant, I'm supposed to be downtown before noon. I can't... And I tell you, Carver... You or nobody is to leave this place till I say so. So shut up and... Yeah? What is it? Sir, a Miss Rogers and a Miss Poole. Well, show them in, Winslow. Yes, sir. In here, ladies. Hello, Anne. Hello, Sprightly. Hi, Mike. Mike, what is this all about? That is just what I wanted to ask you, Anne. Oh, excuse me. This is Mr. Henry Carver, Gilmore's nephew. And this is Joe Swenson. He's the private detective that Gilmore hired to protect him. <laughs> he done a nice job. So, meet Miss Rogers and Miss Poole. Hi, fellas. Hello, everyone. Now, see here, big shot. If you're trying to say I laid down on the job... All I'm trying to say is, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. That thing which the medical examiner just toted out of here wasn't this week's laundry. Now, let's hear your story, Anne. Tell me exactly how did you find out that someone was going to bump Gilmore off? Mike, I didn't know a thing about it. What? But... Your column, Miss Rogers. I didn't write that so-called prophecy, Mr. Carver. Someone added it to what I wrote. Are you kidding? No, Mike. 
Before we came here, Sprightly and I investigated down at the office. The linotype operator, who set up my column, says that late last night he was given the extra paragraph by a man he had never seen before. A man with black hair and dark eyes. <clears throat> Excuse me, Lieutenant, but might I be able to leave now? Winslow, you heard what I said before. Nobody is to leave this house till I... Oh, but I didn't mean leave the house, sir. I thought perhaps I might go to the pantry, make a few sandwiches, sir, a cup of tea. Well, now, in that case, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea at that. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. A man he had never seen before. A man with black hair and dark eyes. Miss Rogers, are you trying to tell us your office is so poorly organized that a stranger, any Tom, Dick, or Harry, can waltz into your linotype room and have his literary inventions added to your syndicated column? Apparently, Mr. Carver. Although I found it hard to believe myself, until I talked with old Jake who set the column. He said that since the start of the war, there have been so many new faces that no one knows them all. But, Anne, didn't this linotype guy realize what that sentence meant? <laughs> it's plain as day that you've never tickled the keys of a linotype, Mike. Those typists don't really see the stuff they copy. It just goes in their eyes and out their fingertips. I know. Well... Maybe so. Black hair. Dark eyes. Lieutenant. Yeah? You think of something, Carver? Well, it may not mean anything, but it just struck me that Winslow answers to that description. You mean the butler? Why, yes, he does. Okay. So what? Everybody in this room fits that description. Well, <laughs> except Anne and Swenson over here. So, what do you expect me to do? Arrest every man in the city with black hair and dark eyes? No. But last night was Winslow's night off, and he didn't get home until very late. Mike, he might have something there. That is, if Winslow had any motive for murdering his employer. How about that, Carver? Did he? Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. My uncle was a, well, rather difficult man to get along with. At least, some people thought so. I never had. Mike, I'm still in the dark as to how this murder was committed. I ain't exactly a light bulb myself, Anne. No, but at least you know when it happened and who was in the house? Well, it was the same three men that's here now. Mr. Carver, Svensson, and Winslow. It seems that when Gilmore read your column at breakfast this morning, he developed a colossal case of the jitters and called up Svensson to come out here on the double. Why you, Mr. Swenson? I run a one-man agency, Miss Rogers. I had handled cases for him before, in his legal practice. You know, trailing. Oh, sure. Follow that man, huh? I see. And when you got here? He was scared to death. I told him that he was letting himself get rattled by boogeymen. But he was positive that you wouldn't have written such a warning in your column unless you had some good reason for doing so. He tried to call you. Yes, I know. 
I got in late. Meanwhile, he put the three of us on guard and barricaded himself in his study. Barricaded? You mean he locked the door? That's right. But it was open when I got here. That's right, too. I don't know how. Who had keys to that door? Winslow did. Really? And how about you, Mr. Carver? Me? Well, I... I used to have one, but not anymore. I lost mine some time ago. The way I figure it on, Gilmore opened the door himself. The key was on the inside. Oh, I see. But in that case, Swenson? Yes, miss? You said Mr. Gilmore had put you and the others on guard. Where? I was at the side door, Winslow was at the front door, and Mr. Carver was at the back. Then you couldn't see each other? No. Or the door of the room you were guarding? Well, no. There's a dark corner that conceals it from the rest of the house. Some detective you are, Svensson. Why don't you take up shoe shining on the side? Maybe you could have done better. Maybe so. Now listen, you. Mike, please. Swenson, were there any open or broken windows in the house? Why, no, ma'am. And the three doors you three were guarding were the only doors? That's right, Miss Rogers. Mike, haven't you searched this house? Searched? Why, why, no, as a matter of fact, I... Well, don't you think you should? Holy smokes, on what for? Do you think the murderer is going to hang around waiting to be caught? Holy smokes yourself, Mike. Listen, in view of the fact that this house is and has been surrounded by your men ever since the murder was reported... Yes. Don't you see? If Winslow and Swenson and Carver were guarding the only three entrances, the killer must still be in this house. Very clever, Miss Rogers. Too clever. Ah! Mike, he's got a gun. Watch out. Stop. Stop. If you pull that trigger, you might as well pull it on yourself. Drop that gun, Swenson. Stand still, all of you. And don't even try to reach for that revolver, cop! We will return to this episode of Hot Copy in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Step into a world that was at the Old Time Radio Snack Wagon, where your ticket to the golden age of radio, serving up weekly samples of classic comedy, captivating dramas, riveting news programs, and so much more. Get ready for a unique blast from the past straight to your ears. Subscribe to the Old Time Radio Snack Wagon for free at snackwagon.net or wherever you get your podcast. And now... Back to Hot Copy, a murderer who somehow used Anne's column to predict the shooting of Charles Gilmore has made good on his boast. Now, as Anne, visiting the scene of the crime, points out that the killer must still be on the premises, private detective Joe Swenson pulls out a gun and begins making homicidal threats while pointing it in the direction of Anne and others in the room. Very clever, Miss Rogers. Too clever. Ah! Mike, he's got a gun. Watch out! Stop! 
Stop! If you pull that trigger, you might as well pull it on yourself. Drop that gun, Svensson. Stand still, all of you. And don't even try to reach for that revolver, cop. Hey, be careful with that thing. Do you want to hurt somebody? You can't get away with this, Svensson. Drop that gun before I... Get away with what? <laughs> what the heck is ailing you? Sure, I'll drop the gun. But how you expect me to go looking for the killer without a rod is more than I can figure. Uh, now what on earth is going... I, I just don't understand what's going on here. You mean you ain't the murderer? <laughs> Me? Are you nuts? Gilmore had me to protect him. Why would I kill him? But you... you pulled a gun on us. I pulled a gun. Period. But I was just pretending to be like one of those tough guys gangsters in the movie. I thought everyone would figure it out right away. That I was making a joke. But instead, the next thing I knew, these two dames were squawking their heads off and this Irish imitation of Sherlock Holmes was grabbing for his gat. Mike, we, uh, seem to have made a little mistake. Ugh. Yeah, sorry, Svensson. Here, I guess you'll be wanting this again. Thanks. Well, we gonna search the joint now? You and me is. You take the cellar, okay? You're telling it. And I'll go upstairs. Let's get going. Mike? Yeah, Anne? How about us? You wait here. We won't be long. But listen, what are we supposed to do if you herd the killer into this corral? Beat him over the head with a sofa cushion? No, don't you worry about a thing, Sprightly. Everything will be took care of. Yeah, including flowers and funeral music. Mike's right, Sprightly. We don't have guns. This is their job. Okay. They can have it. The only thing I want to get out of this case is out. I mean, just think about it. A murderer in the house, and we're supposed to stand here and wait for him to pay us a call? Don't be alarmed, Miss Poole. I think this is all a tempest in a teapot. Personally, I don't believe the murderer is still in the house. No, Mr. Carver? What makes you say that? Look, Miss Rogers. A killer that is clever enough to make my uncle open the door of a guarded room would surely also prepare an avenue of escape, wouldn't he? Well, possibly, but... But just the same, I've got a funny feeling that door may swing open at any time and... Ah! Oh, golly! Beg pardon, miss? Is there anything wrong, miss? You, Winslow. <laughs> oh, Sprightly. I try my best, miss. Would you like some cinnamon toast and hot tea? It's fresh from the kitchen. And, Mr. Carver, sir, I hope this will be satisfactory, sir. Yes, yes, that's quite nice, Winslow. Please set it over here. Miss Rogers, I wonder if you'd excuse me for a moment. I have to, um, make a quick phone call. I'll be back directly. Well, now, of all the... Never mind, Sprightly. Uh, thanks, Winslow. This is just fine. 
Yes, miss. Thank you, miss. If you should want anything else, just ring, miss. Um, ring? Yes, miss. There is a buzzer under the carpet. It's beneath Mr. Carver's desk, miss. Darn it! He did it again! Did what again, Sprightly? Opened and shut that door without a sound. I don't like that butler, Annie. He's just too darn smooth and sneaky. There are a lot of very peculiar people in this household, Sprightly. Carver, for instance. Yeah, now that's another one. Who was he trying to fool? Leaving the room to make a phone call when there's a telephone right here on the desk. Sinister, I calls it. Perhaps he didn't want us to hear him. In that case, Mike Flanagan ought to be interested in learning about it. Gosh, I wonder how Mike is making out. Apparently all right. I haven't heard anything unusual. I don't like that either. I'd rather hear something than listen to this awful silence. Lieutenant, help! Stop him! <gasps> Golly, I didn't mean it that way. No, but you got your wish anyway. Come on, that's Swinson, and it sounds like he's in trouble. Here are the spirits, sir. Eh? Sp oh, you mean the brandy. Okay, thanks, Winslow. Here you are, Swenson. Take a sip of this. Why? Where? What? Take it easy, old boy. You'll be all right in a minute. I hope. Pretty nasty crack on his head. Yes, very. You ain't kidding. <sighs> I'm all right now. I think... No, it's okay, Flanagan. I can sit up. There. Phew. My head feels like the morning after the night before. What happened? That's what we was wondering. We heard you yell, and then there were a couple of gunshots. And when we reached the basement, we found you lying on the floor, unconscious. And no wonder, with that big bump on your head. What happened, Swenson? Did you... Was it the murderer hiding in the cellar? It wasn't the man reading the gas meter. And did you see him, sir? No, I didn't see nothing or nobody. Just a sort of black shape. I said, come out of there. Put your hands up. And he come out swinging something. Then it was you who fired the gun? I'm not sure. Honestly, I just don't remember. Everything happened so fast. I mean, it was like... Something just went bingo. That was him hitting me on the head. And then something went clunk. That was you hitting the floor. And the next thing I knew, I was back here in the study with you folks leaning over me. Didn't the rest of you see nobody down there? Who found me? Winslow. No, sir. I believe you were already at his side when I arrived, sir. Well, for right now, it don't matter who done what. The important thing is, the killer is still in this house, just like we thought. That being the case, 
Hey, where did this come from? Where did what come from, Mike? This spot of blood on the glass that Svensson was drinking from. You ain't bleeding, are you, Svensson? Why, why no, I, I don't think so. Maybe you winged him when you shot at him. That seems to be my blood, miss. Look, my finger. I didn't even know I cut it. Let me see. Hmm. Don't look like no cut to me. Looks more like it was creased by something. Wait. I remember now, sir. When I knelt beside Mr. Swenson in the basement, I felt something sharp beneath my hand. Something like, like, ground glass. Or... Or a bullet moving off or fast, maybe. Oh, no, sir! Winslow, just where was you when you heard the shots? In the kitchen, sir. I see. And there's a door from the kitchen to the basement, ain't there? Why, yes, there is, sir. But, but... Winslow... I think maybe you and me had better go have a look at the kitchen. And just for fun, like, I want to see how long it would take an active man to run down them steps. But surely, sir, you don't. Winslow, what's the matter with you? I hope you're not trying to conceal anything. It might also be interesting to see where Winslow was standing guard this morning when your uncle was shot, Mr. Carver. So... Let's all take a little walk, shall we? As you wish, sir. But I assure you... Anne, you keep an eye on Svensson, will you? Of course, Mike. Okay, then come along, both of you. I'd also like to know, Mr. Carver, why you left the study when I told you to stay there. It's either Eenie or Meenie. Hmm? What's that, Sprightly? It's one of those two, Winslow or Carver. Eenie or Meenie. What happened to Mo? That's all there is. There ain't no Mo. <laughs> all this stuff about Mysterious Killer being loose in the house is just a stinking pile of malarkey. I never believed it. Well, not much, anyway. It stands to reason it had to be someone that Gilmore trusted, or he would never have unlocked the study door from inside. <laughs> I didn't know your assistant was an amateur detective, too, Miss Rogers. Sprightly has a lot of common sense, Swenson. She just might be right. Well, maybe so. It might be smart to find out how much young Carver inherits, or if Winslow stands to gain from Gilmore's death. Possibly. Possibly. But there's another angle to this case that bothers me. What's that? The use of my column by the murderer. Why would he want to put Gilmore on guard? Heaven only knows. Sometimes killers just think funny. Yes, they do. But I think funny, too. Just now, I keep remembering an old legend. The legend of the appointment in Samara. What are you talking about, Annie? Appointment in... Uh... 
It's a story about two men strolling in the streets of an Arab bazaar. Suddenly, one of them gasps and clutches his friend's shoulder, then says, Look, there's the angel of death. He's staring directly at me with a strange look in his eyes. Ugh. Oh, now, really? The angel of death is looking at me, he said. Do me a favor. You stand here and talk to him. Just keep him occupied till I can escape. I'm going to get a fast horse and get away from here. I'll hide in Samara. So he fled. Well, then what? The friend walked boldly up to the angel of death and said, See here, what do you mean staring at my neighbor so strangely that you frightened him away? And the angel of death answers him, Forgive me for staring, but you see, I was puzzled at seeing him in the city because I have an appointment with him at midnight, tonight, in Samara. Ooh, that's creepy. It's also rather silly, but what does it mean? It means... I'm wondering why either Carver or Winslow, both of whom lived in this house with Gilmore and saw him every day, would want to frighten him into staying home from that investigation. Why, that's easy, because he might learn something at the investigation that... No, it's more subtle than that. Whoever killed Gilmore wanted him to stay home, to keep his appointment with death. That person also knew that he, too... Well, go on. What's the matter, Annie? Oh, nothing much. I'm just a little dizzy. Too much excitement, I guess. I understand, Anne. Just sit down on the couch over there. No, this is all right. I'll sit here, at Gilmore's desk. There, that's better. Now, what were you saying? Oh, I guess I was just being silly, like you said. You know, talking nonsense. Go on. I like nonsense. Very well, if you insist. Why did you kill Charles Gilmore, Mr. Swenson? <gasps> then you're quite satisfied I did it. Quite. You are the only person who had a reason for inserting the warning in my column. You knew Gilmore would read it, get frightened, and turn to you for help, because you worked for him in the past. You needed a logical reason for being at the scene of the crime. Precisely, Miss Rogers. And it worked, too. But why? Just why did you do it? The investigation he was conducting. I'm a private detective, Miss Rogers, in my spare time. But most of my efforts, and income, are tied in the gambling racket in this city. I do not desire to be exposed. But, but the man who left the paper with the linotype operator had black hair and dark eyes. You're a blue-eyed blonde. <laughs> Except when it pleases me to be otherwise. Here, look at this. It's no good to me now. I broke the other one downstairs. Dark eyes. Now I see. That's what Winslow cut his hand on. What is it, Annie? It looks like a little piece of glass with an eyeball painted on it. This is a contact lens, Sprightly. It's a new thing for people with bad eyesight. They work the same way as eyeglasses, except they fit directly over the eyeball. Correct. And as for the hair, that was simple. All I needed was a package of black hair dye. The color washes out very easily. But now I think we'll end this friendly little conversation. We have more important matters to finish up. You mean you, you're going to kill us? I haven't much of a choice, have I? It's no use, Swenson. This time they'll know who did it. 
Oh, no, not at all. You see, there'll be two sudden deaths, a shattered window by which the murderer escaped, and a badly wounded detective lying senseless on the floor. Another attack on yourself to fool people? Yes, but this time a real wound, Miss Rogers. One that I'm afraid may hurt me considerably. But with the stakes as high as they are... Sprightly. Don't move, you. Okay, if that's the way you want to play. Oh, great heavens, sir. What's the matter, Winslow? Did you get hurt? Oh, no, sir. But look. He's broken our very best china. Ugh, listen to that. My nervous system got shattered into a million pieces, and he talks about china. Anne, you're okay. Yes, Mike. And Swenson? He'll live till the jury says different. Thanks a million, Mike. You sure got here in the well-known nick of time this time. Yeah. Thanks to Anne. Anne? What did she do? She just used her head beautifully, that's all. You mean my foot, Mr. Carver? That buzzer under the desk, Sprightly? Do you remember Winslow telling us it was there? Well, when I discovered I'd talked too much, it made Swenson suspicious that we were on his trail, so I decided I'd better get Mike in here quick. So, she stepped on it in Morse code. Three dots and three dashes, and another three dots and three dashes over and over again. Lucky for Anne and Sprightly, I learned Morse code way back when I was in the police academy. Well, I'll be darned. That settles it. No more murder cases for me anymore. That is, until... Yes, Sprightly darling, until... Until I learn Morse code. How soon can you start teaching me, Mike? <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Hot Copy Radio Theater. We truly hope that you enjoyed our recreation of Appointment with Death, a lost episode of the radio audio drama Hot Copy, originally broadcast on Sunday, July 30th, 1944. Our cast on this episode featured Rhonda Sigler Ware as Ann Rogers, Samantha Thompson as Sprightly Poole, Jerry Kokich as Lieutenant Michael Flanagan and also Editor Graham, Stephen Fisher as Joe Swenson, Christian Newhouse as Henry Carver, George Worrell as Winslow the Butler, Jack Billings as Charles Gilmore, Chris Hart as Johnny the Reporter, Meadow Sarton as The Receptionist, Logan Smith as Your Announcer. In addition, the following voices were also heard on this episode. Peter Block, Miss Kit Karen, Glenn Haskell, Julie Hoverson, Sharon Grunwald, Aaron Summonsby, and... John R. Worsley. 
This episode was adapted from the original script, written by Nelson S. Bond. All sound effects are from freesound.org. Hot Copy Radio Theater is produced and edited under the direction of Jim Goodluck. Now, if you like this show, please take a moment of your time and go to Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, then give a five-star rating and review for Hot Copy Radio Theater. And, if your favorite streaming service carries this show and allows you to give a rating, please be sure to rate us on there also. Finally, if you would like to contact any of the voice actors from this episode, or if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions in regard to this show, please send an email to hotcopyradiotheater at gmail.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter as at hotcopyradio. In addition, we have a Facebook page where you can make comments and give feedback. We invite you to tune in again on the 10th of each month for another thrilling presentation of Hot Copy Radio Theater. (laughs) 